fighting for freedom every day. You as the individual, you have the power. You don't have to join a union. You go in as an entry-level position. You get the experience that you need. And then as you work up, you get better at your job, which means they pay you more. If they don't pay you more, then you go to another company to show what you've learned and what your value is to where you can get more. If they really don't like that, then you can go and start your own damn business because we have a free market laissez-faire capitalist society allegedly, to where you can actually go off and do your own thing. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. You're darn right it is. Welcome into the program. Another day in paradise. That's the way we live the dream. It is the middle of the week, which means the greatest day of the entire week. Of course, you see the light at the end of the tunnel, and we're going to have some fun today. Welcome in. This is the Voice of Reason. I am Andy Hoosier, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. Multiple radio stations, TV, live streaming, and podcasting, however you watch or listen to the show. I love you to death. Trying to figure out where that sound came from. Welcome in. You're your Millennial General reporting for duty. I'm watching the video stream, trying to make sure everything's up and going. And I hate this time of year. I have to. I hate this time of year. The light in the studio that I have with our, with our video stream so people can watch the show, almost like a TV program. I, in this time of year, every single year, the light comes in. We have a massive window right beside me here, and it comes in, and it blinds me. I try to have the lighting to where it's balanced and equal, but I almost look like the half face, the one eye, the lighted side, the dark side, the yin and the yang, which I guess is kind of cool. But, man, it really blinds me when I'm trying to do the program because this beam of light's facing right at me. I- I know, right? <laughs> so, welcome into the show. We have a lot to get to today. Jennifer Say, she is the author of the book, Levi's Unbuttoned. The woke mob took my job, but gave me my voice. He took his job! He took his girl! Yeah, that's what we're going to talk about today. So, we have, she worked for Levi Strauss, the Levi company, like Levi Jeans, and she was one of the executives who was going to run the company, but once she started letting individuals know about her political views, they let go of her relatively quickly. So we'll talk with her coming up at the bottom of the hour, Jennifer Say. We'll talk about woke corporations with Levi and with Disney and with other companies as well. Are they starting to lose traction and will they start changing their policies or are they one of those that are just too big to fail? We'll get to all that here in just a little bit. We have a lot of things I want to try and cram in today. We have some election updates, obviously. It's weird because the October surprises usually happen the last week of October. We're into November now, and we're literally, what, today's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I guess I could count it. It'd be six, seven days away from Election Day. We are less than a week away from Election Day. And finally, now, some of the big breaking news is happening that could sway the election one way or the other. Kind of a day late and a dollar short, aren't you? I mean, we have record uh, in-person voter turnout across the nation in all these states. We have almost record mail-in ballots re- being returned already across most of these states. And then we see all these big breaking pieces of news that could alter the election. Why would you wait so long to let this information out? So let's get into it in our What's Trending story of the day. What's trending today? So first off, let's start here. The latest polls... Which, as you know, the polls are always skewed to the left. You can always take them with a grain of salt. You can believe them. You cannot believe them. You can think that there may be a good guideline, but that's about as far as they go. The latest polls, you can only mislead for so long before you have to start reporting accurate information because you can't hold the truth out forever. What did your parents always say? The truth always comes out in the end, so you might as well tell the truth now because, well, it's not going to turn out in your favor later if we find out that you were lying. Well, the same goes for the mainstream media. For the last two months at least, 
it was two to three months. They've been showing the polls on the U.S. Senate races with a dead heat, with with Democrats having a near 60 to 70 percent chance of maintaining the U.S. Senate, or at least having a 50-50 split again like we have been. For months, Democrats have the lead. Democrats have the advantage. Democrats going to be able to maintain 60 to 70 percent chance of them actually winning and maintaining their majority in the U.S. Senate. Now, with less than a week away, with the record voter turnout already, with people already showing up to the polls, with them not being able to maintain and retain their ideas uh, as much as they'd like to, they now have come out with the latest polls showing that Republicans now have a 53% chance of winning the majority in the U.S. Senate. What? What? According to Project, uh, what is this, 538, the Senate is currently a toss-up. The party that wins two of the three closest states will likely win the Senate majority. Republicans' two best pickup opportunities are the states of Nevada and Georgia, which we have talked about on the show. However, Herschel Walker scandals may hurt his chances against the Democrat, Ralph Warnock. We'll see if that actually is the case or not, but I am optimistic. I am optimistic. Right now, it shows that potentially we could sit at a 53-vote majority, a three-person uh, three person vote, well, really six, if they're 53-47. We could actually have a decent majority in the Senate. On the House side, let's flip over to the House side here. But yeah, we're going to dominate. Right now, we have an 85% chance of winning a massive victory in the House of Representatives right now. And just imagine if we're able to take both chambers, what we could do to stop Joe Biden, reverse half the policies, get it to the Supreme Court to actually have them reverse some of the Biden policies, and then be able to get this country back on track in time for the presidential race of 2024. In a perfect world, we can stop the agenda, we can reverse some of the agenda, we can use the Supreme Court to actually reverse some of the agenda, and then we show going into the presidential race in two years that look at what, not what we're going to do, but look at what Republicans have been able to do. Wouldn't that be a nice stand? I like that. Well, Maybe we should kind of run on that platform of actually saying, look at what we've done, as opposed to look at what we want to do, which is what Republicans are really, really good at in their campaigning. While the polls are starting to shift to our favor... The media, on the other hand, not liking the fact that the polls are shifting to our favor. So, of course, they're using the argument of, well, of course, Republicans are skewing the results of the actual polls, which most people are kind of laughing at. The typical example of the left accusing Republicans of what the left is doing, because in a lot of these polls right now, they're still doing it. Um, If you go back to the 2020 election, we know from the exit polls and other data Basically, the two parties were about even in terms of how they turned out in the 2020 elections. It was about 37 percent Democrat, 36 percent Republican. And you're still seeing a lot of these national polls right now done by the media and these colleges and universities where Republicans are only represented in their surveys by about a quarter of the vote. And another example is yesterday, there's a poll that came out that had Lee Zeldin down by eight points yesterday in uh Uh, I think it was a Hill Harris, uh, Emerson, Emerson College poll um, in New York, said he was down by eight points. But the problem is with the survey, again, they oversampled Democrats at about 53 percent. They undersampled Republicans at only about 23, 24 percent. In 2014, Rob Astorino, when he lost to uh, Andrew Cuomo, Republicans accounted for nearly 34 percent of the vote in the state of New York in the governor's race. 
So huh. these are just it's it's actually the other way around of what Joyless Reed is talking about. I, that can't be understated, by the way. I, the how much there it is. All right. So that was uh, Jim McLaughlin. He is a uh, uh, polling analyst that was on Newsmax just a little bit earlier today talking about these. The Democrats, while they try and claim that the polls are skewed, they're manipulated, they're twisted farther to the right. That's just not true. In fact, all the polls, as we know, which why we always take them with a grain of salt. And you're like, yeah, OK. That we know that they're predominantly left-leaning. For example, where I'm at here in the state of Kansas, we have our governor's race. It's a very heated governor's race. We currently have a Democrat governor who's an absolute disaster. A Republican is our current attorney general running for governor. And the latest poll, again, this Emerson poll that he just referenced, shows that the Democrat is up by three points in the state of Kansas. I don't believe it. I do not believe it's accurate. I believe the Republican is up slightly, uh, although there is one factor in here, which is what we'll get to in a little bit as well, with the independent candidates running specifically with the purpose to sabotage the Republican Party, which is exactly what's going on here. We have an independent who was a Republican, a conservative Republican in our state legislature, who's running as an independent, and he's polling right about 4% right now. Now, with our Democrat governor in a lead by 3%. You think that 4% from the conservatives that are going that way might be beneficial to go with the Republican candidate to actually make sure we don't have a Democrat running things here any longer. I'm just throwing that out there for those that are considering like, I don't like the matter. He's not a moderate for one. I don't want to get into Kansas politics too heavy on this program, but uh, it is sad when the independents go in and sabotage just because they're there to spite as opposed to give an alternative option. And if you think that they are giving the alternative option, why didn't they challenge him in the primary where we could have a Republican Party united as opposed to just trying to sabotage in the general election? Doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but Republicans are still up. I think the Emerson polls that are coming out nationwide are still skewed and they are still left leaning while the numbers are coming in with early voting. They can't try to mislead you any longer because they're seeing massive Republican turnout in early voting, which is not seen in the past. I've talked to many individuals from many different states, as I have personally been concerned about the voter turnout in different states with the early voting, whether it's Republican or Democrat. And they're saying predominantly it's Republican. Republicans are leading a lot of the early voter turnout in a lot of states. Therefore, they cannot try to mislead you and lie to you any longer of what these polls are because they have to recorrect themselves to look like they're somewhat accurate by the end of the day with results that come in on the at the end. They have to recorrect themselves. So what type of, I guess the big question is now, what type of big October surprises will we see? Because right now we're seeing things at the last minute, which is a little strange to me. There is a case out of New York with the governor's race out of New York where there is a Clinton aide, yes, a Hillary Clinton aide, who has come out and blamed the Democrat governor on their soft take on crime because apparently they've had a tragic killing in their family from a crime and they blame Democrat policies and the policies of the current Democrat governor going up against Lee Zeldin, who's the Republican challenger for the governor's race in New York. Could we flip that seat? Not only do we need to be looking at congressional seats to win in Washington, D.C., but you know, as we talk about so much on this program about the activism at the local levels and how politics is shifting back down to the local front, if we already have a majority of Republican governorships in this nation, if we flip New York, if we flip Michigan, if we flip it here in Kansas, as we flip some of the other big states across the nation, imagine what we could do, not just fighting Washington, D.C., but building policy and building protections around the states with federalism and the rights of the states to actually do their own policies. 
looking at the state of Florida or at the uh, state of Michigan right now, a big one with uh, with what's her name, Gretchen Whitmer, who is the hack a Democrat there that's been a disaster during the COVID nineteen pandemic. During their last debate, apparently openly admitted about how much money she's received from the different unions teachers union specifically which again i ask you teachers all over the country how do you feel being represented by a union that doesn't represent your best interests and the democrat or the republican candidate the challenger came out on newsmax again talking about the lies that have started to bleed through because she wasn't supposed to say certain things maybe Let's try that. My response is this is what they do when they don't have an attack. This is they're scraping the bottom of the opposition research file and throwing anything they can out there because they know that their candidate just admitted she said the quiet part out loud multiple times while she was in the debate. And they went, oh, no, the Michigan people are actually seeing who she really is. And the fact is, she's not somebody for the Michigan people. But the funny thing is, at that same rally, her lieutenant governor said this is about political power and we get political power from the people in Detroit. They still don't understand. They are here to serve the people of Michigan. It's not about their own power. And they're trying to distract from what they know is happening in the state of Michigan. People are saying, we don't want Gretchen Whitmer anymore. We don't want Gretchen Whitmer any longer. It's been dominated for Democrats in the state of Michigan for a very, very long time. And if we're able to flip that one to a red one because of how big they've gotten and how corrupted they've gotten and how they expose themselves, we don't even have to do anything. This is like the Virginia governor's race where he said that he doesn't want parents to have a say in the public education system. They're openly admitting their policies and they're starting to realize how unpopular those policies actually are. Lots more coming up on The Voice of Reason. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Bring some reason into your day. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Not to go on another tirade about unions. We've done enough of that over the last month or so, but I am just openly letting you know that, uh, by the way, Whitmer is receiving their $2.25 million from teachers unions in the state of Michigan. As she openly says in her campaigns that she's there to represent the union. She wants the unions. She wants to have the unions fund her and sponsor her. So if you are a member or a teacher in the state of Michigan and you don't necessarily care for unions, then I ask you, uh, is the union properly representing you? I'm going to drop that little breadcrumb there and let you ponder that one for a while. Is it representing you? You're paying your dues into the union, and then they're paying uh, certain politicians that are not in your best interest. Of course the teachers union are in the best interest. Yeah, because they're the ones that, that oppose the Trump tax cuts because they said it got rid of write-offs for teachers to invest money into the classroom. My question is, if you're such a good union representing your workers and teachers, then why would you have to invest your own money into the classroom by buying the dry erase markers and the tissue boxes and the the posters and stuff to put up in your classroom? Why in the world would you need to invest in that in the first place in your classroom as opposed to saying, hey, teachers union, you should fight against the you know administration for the school district and make them pay for that stuff because that's kind of a necessity for your job i'm just throwing it out there i mean we need to start thinking about things a little bit different right start pondering things just a little bit different ways but teachers unions now spending two almost two and a half million dollars to re-elect whitmer and she's is she representing the people or she's representing the unions. According to the Democrats, it's both because the union is the collective of the people and you just need to go along with it. And if you disagree with them, then how dare you? 
I want to give you one more poll here for a second as you ponder some of these uh, big bombshells from Michigan, from New York, from some of these other places. And and I think the bombshell as well, the biggest bombshell is really the polls that are all of a sudden having a dramatic shift. How can you go for two months leading up to election time saying Democrats have a 70% chance of maintaining the Senate, have a massively, where it's not going to be a Republican wave, Democrats are going to maintain, you might gain a couple seats in the House of Representatives. How can you run polls for two months saying that that's going to happen, and then all of a sudden, five, six days before the election, be like, oh, by the way, there's like a 56% chance that Republicans are going to take the Senate. Our bad. We just got the latest numbers, and people have all of a sudden changed their mind. Okay. I don't know how you change your mind in that short amount of time. Uh, Most people have had their opinions locked in for a long time, really since the beginning of the year, really since the Biden administration. Be like, wow, things aren't nearly as cool here as what they used to be. I mean, unless you just really are in spite of Republicans because you hate Trump, which is what some are, then that's your only ambition to turn out to the polls. The excitement from the other side is not there, which is why now, according to Newsmax, the latest poll as well, outside of the anticipation of us taking over the Senate and the House of Representatives, shows that white suburban women, a massive uh, voter base, if you want to break it down by sex and by race and all this other garbage, uh, the suburban women are backing Republicans over Democrats by 15 points. Now, this is significant because this is at a time when the media was saying that the white suburban women did not support Donald Trump during the presidential races and how he was, quote-unquote, desperate to gain their support because that is a very big demographic in this nation. And they were panicky that they're now shifting back to the Republican Party. So apparently the suburban women are up 15 points with support of Republicans over Democrats because they're concerned about safety of their children. They're concerned about the economy and the price of groceries. They're concerned about the gas prices right now. They're concerned about a lot of issues that Democrats have flopped on. And this is, again... A point where Democrats are saying, oh, these are skewed. These are skewed numbers. We don't want to look at these. Don't you worry. Yeah, you might have a slight advantage, but this isn't actually accurate. I guess we'll know on election day, but the polls had to correct themselves. They can't have a blip on their record showing how skewed they were leading up to it. And then a week before be like, oh, yeah, by the way, yeah, we're going to start changing things a little bit. Right around the corner, we're going to talk about some of the woke corporations that are funding some of these Democrat Uh, candidates across the nation and what they're doing to influence you and even some of their employees we'll do that when we come back here it is a midweek celebration it's the voice reason i'm andy hoosier stay right here the voice of reason with andy hoosier When Reason Meets Radio, you're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. You know, Reason, Common Sense, Rationale. Welcome back into the program. Doing what we do each and every day here on the show. It's always great to have you along for the ride today. You can find us on all over social media at Hoosier Reason. That's H-O-O-S-E-R Reason. Also our website at HoosierReason.com. I am still up in the air on whether we're going to become verified on the Tweety now that Elon Musk has taken it over. I thought it'd be great, and then I don't know that I want to pay the $8 a month for it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what that really gets us. Does that, does that honestly get us anywhere? 
We'll talk about some more about that later. We have actually some guests coming on next week talking about the tech industry, how now they're going after Twitter. That's not a credible source now, apparently, which it used to be. I mean, it was fact-checked. It was verified. Now it's just one of those third-party tech sites no one cares about. We'll talk about some of that later on. We've talked about the elections right now, some of the latest numbers that have come out, and the correction from many of the pollsters as the early voting has showed kind of a change and a shift in the mindset to where they have to show that they're somewhat accurate before Election Day, so that way they don't look like absolute fools going into it. We'll get back to that a little bit later as well. But how much do the corporations actually have in influencing some of this? The unions, we know. We talked about the teachers' unions up in Michigan spending over $2.5 million on the governor's race there for the Democrats. Uh, How much do corporations have a say as they try to curb public appeal and public opinion on certain issues. We get into the latest in What's Trending. What's Trending Today. And I'm really happy to have on the program. She is the author of the new book, Levi's Unbuttoned. The woke mob took my job but gave me my voice. I don't like people losing their jobs. He took his job. He took it, girl. Really happy to have back on the program with us here at Jennifer Say. Jennifer, how are you today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I am excited to have you on. I appreciate it very much. Uh, businesses, it's sad. I remember a quote. I'm a rocker. I enjoy heavy metal. The singer of Metallica came out a few years ago and said, you know, Republicans and Democrats both buy my album, so I'm not going to talk politics because I want both sides to try and buy our albums because that's just smart business. It seems like corporations nowadays, many businesses out there, aren't taking that approach and they're deciding on what public opinion should be. I mean, is that kind of what we're getting from here? It certainly feels like it. Um, And I, I, you know, I think in sort of liberal bastions, like where I live, San Francisco, it's not really seen as political, but as the right thing. And, and so it's such a bubble that I don't think they're fully aware of how many people are alienated by the message, if you see what I'm saying. It's like, this is the right stance. It's not political. You know, they would actually, Levi's, where I worked, say overtly um, that they don't take political stances. But I think that's, um, I don't think anybody's fooled by that, really. Um, And this idea, I, I don't really think that they're necessarily interested in how people vote. But this idea of woke capitalism or social justice capitalism is really sort of an exploitation of millennials and Gen Z's activism. And it's really just sort of seeking to turn it into social justice consumerism. It's ultimately about profit and money. Um, and it's a distraction from the fact, and it's um, it, they mean to distract from the fact that business is really as it always has been, which is about making money. And so as business leaders make more and more um, they also, at the same time, want to be celebrated as these social justice heroes or altruists. And so they use the companies that they lead to take these stances while they, you know, fill their pockets with millions and millions of dollars. Sure. It's really sad because you would, again, think that just staying apolitical and, like you said, not even thinking it's a political issue, but just taking a stance on anything would disrupt a lot of the revenue to where, you know what, I I would see a decrease because then people might not like the stances. It almost seems like some of these businesses have gotten to the point where they're, quote unquote, too big to fail to where, like you said, they want to be these freedom fighters. So they don't care if there's a few naysayers out there that don't buy their products anymore. They're willing to accept that because they look better and they don't care because they're making too much money. I mean, is that where we're at now? Yeah, I mean, I think 
you know, having been in the, you know, the executive meetings and the boardrooms on this one, I think the belief is that for younger consumers in particular, which in fashion, you know, the industry I was in, that that's the, you know, that's who you want, right? They buy more, they spend more, they have more influence over what other people buy and wear, sure. that this is the way to engage them. So in fact, it is a strategy, whether or not it's effective, and I think you make really good points. I think it is a strategy to engage consumers and connect them with your brand. But, you know, I think I think you're right. It's alienating a huge percentage of the population. And for a brand like Levi's, which is worn red state, blue state by everyone across the country, there certainly is that risk. Now, I will say, as angry as consumers get about certain stances, either on, you know, the right or the left or whichever side of the aisle, they don't seem to really carry through with it. You know, it doesn't seem, in my experience, to translate into actually not purchasing long term. Um, Because a lot of the brands that experience these sort of quote unquote hashtag boycotts just keep growing and growing. So I don't know that consumers really do put their money where their mouth is at the end of the day. They buy the product if they like it. And so that's my suggestion is let's get back to marketing the product because that's what they're coming to you for anyway. Amen to that. I mean, I'm right there with you. And it is I I think people have forgotten how to if they are truly upset about something, how to truly fight to change it. I mean, we talk about woke Disney, but yet how many Republicans still subscribe to Disney plus because they have kids? I'm one of them. I mean, I have an eight year old. And if I canceled my Disney plus, I would have anarchy in my hands when I go home every single night because that's just the way it is. Same with Netflix and with all these other services. We may be angry with some of the content that comes out. But to actually put the money where the mouth is, is it is difficult for those to really make that choice. Levi's, I mean, that's what half of farmers and ag leaders and truck drivers and a lot of just, you know, good old country boys wear are the Levi's because, by golly, that's the best quality out there. And that's what I'm going to wear when I'm on the farm, even though they may not like the politics of what Levi's doing right now. Yeah, I mean, they're widely available. Um, they last a lifetime. They're actually guaranteed a lifetime. It's my favorite gene still. I worked there close to 23 years. Um, not everybody's aware maybe of all the messaging. Uh, and so, you know, they choose because they like the product. So why not focus on the product in terms of what you market? Um, my issue is that sometimes the way the brand is marketed through the values is actually really hypocritical and they don't actually practice what they preach. I mean, I have issues with all of it, but that in particular also bothers me. You know, I'll use an example that's not Levi's, which is Nike. They've had all of these examples, you know, between 2018 and 2019 of treating women really poorly, not just harassment in the company, but abusing athletes, not paying athletes when they're pregnant, all sorts of things. And yet they run campaigns for Women's History Month and everybody thinks they're, you know, they're great and they're good and they're woke. And and so they're not even really paying attention. Like if you do care, then pay attention to how they actually treat their employees. That matters to me. That matters a lot to me. Um, so I think, you know, the whole thing is sort of a big charade, if you will. And no one really cares. The companies don't care that they're saying it. They're just trying to engage a certain cohort. And the cohort that thinks they care, they don't really care either. <laughs> you know, they buy the products they like. So let's get back to what I call normie capitalism. Yeah, amen to that. Get back to normalcy and just promote the product. We're talking with Jennifer Say, author of the book Levi's Unbuttoned. The woke mob took my job but gave me my voice. Talk about your experience and your story that you talk about in this book. Obviously, you were the first CEO woman uh, for Levi, and then you ended up leaving because of some of these policies. But talk about your story a little bit. 
Yeah, I wasn't quite the CEO. I was definitely um, in line. I was the brand president. I've been at the company close to 23 years. I was a well-liked employee and, and you know, that I, I had driven strong results and people liked me. <laughs> that was why, you know, I was in consideration for the CEO role if and when our CEO retired. Um, but I was outspoken about long-term school closures. I lived in California, in San Francisco specifically, and I was outspoken from the beginning about public school closures and the harms being done to the 50,000 children in San Francisco. The schools were closed there for 18 months. I was warned repeatedly over the course of two years that I needed to not do that, um, that I, you know, I was running up against the essentially the Democratic Party orthodoxy that was being furthered by public health and the teachers' unions and local governments. Um, and I was warned to stop. Meanwhile, a lot of my peers had their kids in open private schools, and the hypocrisy of that really bothered me, as well as what I knew was happening to children, which we've now all seen, right? We've seen the results um, in the National Education Report card. We've seen that there's a mental health crisis amongst youth. And so at a certain point, um, and I, I, I was active on social media. I led rallies. I wrote op-eds, all kinds of things. I was on the local news. Um, and at a certain point, they just had enough of me. <laughs> and they said, um, you know, there's not a place for you here anymore. But I decided to quit wow. rather than accept the severance um, because I didn't want to sign an NDA. And I, I, I was increasingly alarmed about the lack of, you know, conversation, dissent. There's just there was no um, appetite for any dissenters on this issue. And I would argue if we had a real conversation about this, a real public conversation, schools would have opened a lot sooner. So that became too important for me to give up my voice um, and pushing for getting back to free speech or furthering it. Maybe it's never been perfect, but let's still aspire to it. Yeah, I think that the COVID-19 pandemic, as you mentioned, really exposed a lot of people for not really caring about that freedom of speech and having that conversation, because I completely agree with you. If we had a conversation, then I think the schools would have opened up sooner. There wouldn't have been as many mask mandates or pushes for vaccine mandates or whatever else happened at that time. And it was scary to see uh, what we've gone through the last couple of years. We've got to take a hard break here, Jennifer. Can you stick over one more segment with us? Yeah, sure. Perfect. I appreciate that. I love this conversation. I want to go a little bit deeper on when these changes started happening with a lot of these corporations focusing on these issues. And as you mentioned, just wanting to appeal to the ones with the money buying the product when the shift really started happening. And if COVID really was that turning point for so many out there, it is a fascinating conversation to me. Being a millennial myself, again, I apologize for my generation doing some of that stupid stuff. We'll do that when we come back here. It's The Voice of Reason on a Wednesday. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right we are. That's what we do each and every day. Welcome back into the program. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that 5-pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation one radio listener at a time. You like that? Like how we threw that in there? The branding of the millennials. Ha! That's what we try to do here on the program each and every day. Welcome back in. Always great to have you along for the ride today. We're hanging out today. I've, I'm finding this conversation absolutely fascinating. Trying to get 
into the psychology of corporations. What are they doing and why do they make the decisions that they're making? We're doing that with Jennifer Say, author of the book Levi's Unbuttoned. The woke mob took my job but gave me my voice. Jennifer, in your opinion, seeing the corporations do these things, like you said, just being, which I hate living in a fake world. And that's really what we're seeing today. Like you said, we're seeing campaigns of, you know, Women's Month or, you know, Black History Month or whatever else that we see while they abuse individuals and their lifestyles of the uh, the owners of the company, the company as a whole, how they treat their employees. They don't act that way. But yet we see campaigns running that way. That's why politics drives me nuts. That's why just fakeness in the world drives me absolutely bonkers. When did we start doing this? Just just say things to make people happy and think that's going to drive up revenue. Yeah, it's interesting. I think it happened sort of slowly than all at once, as things do. You know, I think after the financial crisis, you know, in, in 2008, um, there was a real concerted effort on the part of business leaders to kind of distance themselves from the tycoons of the past, you know, whether it was banking leaders or oil tycoons. But I would say it all really came to a head in 2020, um, you know, with the with the murder of George Floyd and people taking to the streets. Um, companies were just very eager to renounce their own you know, as it was articulated, complicity in in ongoing racism. And I, but it had been building, you know, I can't point to that one thing because it had been building. And I think at the end of the day, there's just this desire among CEOs. It, it you know, it used to be enough just to be really, really rich, right? That was enough. <laughs> but yeah. now they want to not just be rich, but viewed as these social justice heroes. They want to be celebrated as altruists. And so they take these opportunities, um, you know, when they present themselves to, to do that. But like I said, it's a it's a lie. And, um, you know, d- during COVID, I'll just say this, you know, with much, many of our stores shut down at Levi's, most around the world, um, we laid off about 15% of the workforce, which perhaps was necessary. You know, our, our, our sales were down more than 60% at the worst of it. Um, but under the, you know, we did this, we, we laid them off while saying what we really cared about was workers. And during that same time frame, the CEO collected over $40 million in stock payouts. So <laughs> arguably, the socially just thing to do would have been to find a way for those folks to keep their jobs or, you know, I would argue, contribute to the conversation saying that we needed to keep stores open so people could keep their jobs and take care of their families. Sure. But that was unthinkable. Um, and ultimately, during this time, for me anyway, politics became a condition for my employment. And the real irony is fighting for kids in schools should never have even been political anyway. I mean, it was about children. If there's anything we can be politicized, it should be that. But ultimately, one's politics should not be a litmus test for employment, even if the companies take these stands. Yeah. I completely agree with you. Is there, and this is, we got about a minute or so left here, is there a chance to start changing this again? Or does it go deeper, like you mentioned, and is it appealing to the younger generations that are paying for these products and appeal to them on what their trends are as opposed to actually going after the corporations and changing them instead? Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> I think there's there's two possible paths and I am I am no seer but it can either be that companies realize this is not good for business because people who say they're going to boycott actually start to do that or 
we literally live in, in two worlds, not just politically, but commercially as well. And there are companies that employ, you know, left-leaning people and sell products to left-leaning people. And there are companies that are on the right. And that just seems like a sad state of affairs to me. Well, yeah. And if we do go down that road, we're going to turn into a very divided nation like we saw pre-Civil War to where it was essentially two separate worlds and Republicans buy products from these companies, Democrats buy products from these companies. And we're going to see a massive division that I don't know that we can come back from at the end of the day. The book is Levi's Unbuttoned. The woke mob took my job, but gave me my voice. It comes out on November 15th. Pre-sales up right now. You can check it out on other places. Jennifer, so great to have you on the program i'd love to get you back on and chat some more thanks for having me hey have a great day you as well appreciate that very much that does it for us today podcast up here in just a little bit we're back at it tomorrow for a pre-friday election season right around the corner we'll talk some more about what's going on there we haven't even gotten to the israeli election benjamin netanyahu back at it we have a guest david rubin from israel he'll be on the program on friday we'll do some of that until then be your own voice of reason this is the voice of reason i'm andy hoosier we'll see you on the radio 